There is a story of a pastor who uh, pastored a small church in West Texas, and he tells the story about how one Easter Sunday in particular, uh, they wanted to add a little more flair to their Easter service than just the normal run-of-the-mill Easter Sunday. And so the small choir in this West Texas church decided to enter singing from the back of the sanctuary, coming down the middle aisle. That adds a little flair to the service. And so here they come down the middle aisle from the back, singing, low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting on that coming day, Jesus my Lord. Well, the church was a little older in its construction, and so it had a single furnace that was placed under that center aisle. And it was covered by a metal grate that would allow the air to flow up. It just so happened that while one of the ladies in the walking choir was singing and marching in, one of her high heels got caught in that grate as she's walking up to sing. And so, being a quick thinker, she simply stepped out of the shoe and kept walking. You know, if nobody notices, then that's good. She just stepped out of the shoe and she kept walking. A few members behind her was a quick-thinking man who reached down while he was singing to retrieve her shoe. As he, How many of you know we can do multiple things at one time in a church? So he's walking in singing. He reaches down to grab her shoe. And when he picked up, the shoe just didn't come with him. But the grate on the furnace came with him as well. So he, being the quick thinker that he was, just kept walking forward. (laughs) Unfortunately, the next gentleman, the final one in the line... (laughs) had his nose in the music and was oblivious to what had happened in front of him. He stepped where the great should have been, but instead disappeared under the floor into the furnace room. And the choir just kept walking. They got up on the platform and are singing, Hallelujah, Christ arose. Up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph over his foes, he arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. And there was an awkward moment of silence in the church until the man in the furnace room, unhurt except for his pride, shouted, If the song is over, I'm coming out now. (laughs) And right on cue, a little girl who hadn't seen anything that happened shouted, Hallelujah, Jesus is coming up out of the grave. (laughs) How many of you are glad Jesus came up out of the grave? (laughs) That's an eventful Easter Sunday right there. It is our custom here at New Life to come together for prayer at the close of our 
Sunday services. And I would like the privilege this morning on this ninth day of April to do two things at the close of this message. First of all, I would like the privilege of praying over everybody in this room. Now, we do not have an exorbitant amount of space up here at the front, but we come forward because of what it signals to God. And that is this, God, I'm hearing your word preached, and I am stepping forward for prayer. I will give you my word. Nobody does anything weird. Nobody puts anybody on the spot. It simply is a way that we show God, I'm hearing your word. We're coming forth together for prayer before we are dismissed from this service. I would like the privilege as a pastor to pray over everyone, and I want to invite you at that time to come. Secondly... Hopefully, I would like to get to meet many, many of you at the front door before you leave today. So thankful for you, Stacy and I and our leaders. We're going to be near the front door, and I hope to get to connect with you and at least shake your hand and personally thank you for coming. When our Bibles are opened, we are introduced to several key figures that seem to jump off the page, men and women who would serve God, they would lead people, and they would become examples to all of us. One of the first and one of the most prolific figures of Scripture that we are introduced to quickly in the pages of the Bible is the man Moses. Moses was protected supernaturally by God as a baby. If you ever want to read a supernatural story, read about Moses being protected by God as a baby. He was raised in an Egyptian leader's home, and yet I'm also very thankful this morning that the Scripture does not shy away from the fact he was very, very human. He possessed quite a temper, so much so that that temper got him in big, big trouble. He rose up when he was offended by a man and slew a man, killed a man. Why? Because he was human. But it was this man, this human, that God chose to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage. I thank God that this story gives me hope that though we are human, God still will use us. And though we have failing tendencies, God still wants to talk to us. And he still wants to do something with our life. When Moses first encountered God in a desert place, this human man, God told him to go and lead his people out of slavery in a country, a nation known as Egypt. This began a conversation between this human man and the eternal God. Exodus chapter number 3 and verse 13, Moses asks the Lord, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? In other words, when they begin to ask me, Who is it that's sending me? How do I answer that? By what authority do I go? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children 
of Israel. I am has sent me to you. It's noteworthy that this perhaps is the first foray, if you will, into the identity of God to his creation. When God says, Moses, you want to know who's sending you? I'm going to tell you who's sending you. You want to know what name to tell them? I'm going to tell you what name to tell them. When you get to those people that I'm sending you to, to bring them out of bondage, tell them, I am has sent me to you. Everybody in the house, would you simply say, I am? Come on, I want you to get, act like you're a preacher on Easter Sunday and get a big, deep-barreled voice and say, I am. Look at someone near you and say, I am. I want you to notice, and I'll quickly move on past this. God did not say, Moses, go tell the children that I was or that I will be. He said, walk into their presence needing a Savior and declare to them, I am has sent me to you. I am tells me he is what I need him to be right now. I am tells me he is a very present help in the time of my trouble. I am. Fast forward from the pages of the Old Testament to the pages of the New Testament, that final one-third of the Bible that you hold in your lap today. It is in John's Gospel that Jesus Christ was nearly killed for blasphemy when he stated to the Jewish religious leaders of his day the following words. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. John 8 and 57, the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? You're not even 50. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. It is so riveting to my attention that in John's gospel alone, Jesus made seven profound I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the true vine. Jesus identified himself not just as a carpenter from Nazareth, but he identified himself as the one true living God. Jesus said, if you want to see who God is, 
take a look at me because I am. Oh, I've come to tell somebody here today, this Jesus is not the God that was and he is not the God that shall be. This Jesus on Sunday morning is I am. He is what we need every time we need him. Jesus declared that he was God manifested in flesh. Jesus, the physical embodiment of the one eternal God, the Word becoming flesh. Jesus, in a two-word reply consisting of just three letters, turned the entire religious establishment on its head. I am. You have been taught about who God was. I am. You have heard of an eternal spirit which guided our people in the days of old. I am. Your God rolled back the Red Sea's waters. I am. Your God worked miracles in the wilderness. I am. Your God protected his people from judgment in Egypt and conquered their enemies. I am. Am. I am the way maker. I am the miracle worker. I am Alpha and I am Omega. I am the one who is. I'm the one who was. I'm the one who shall come. I am from the beginning and I am to the ending. I am the first and I am the last. I am. Woo! Hallelujah. So because Jesus conquered death through the resurrection, and because there is an empty grave today, I have a startling and glorious truth to preach to us on this Easter Sunday morning. Here it is. You ready? Nudge your neighbor and say, get ready. It's coming right now. Here is the startling and astonishing truth. Jesus is still alive. <laughs> Come on. There's going to be people shouting over sports figures all day long, but Jesus is still alive. He's not in a grave on Easter Sunday morning. Jesus is still alive. Hey, I've been preaching it for 24 years here at this church. Jesus is still alive 24 years later. Jesus is still alive 2,000 years later. Jesus is still alive. How can Jesus still be alive? Because he's not just flesh. He's God manifested in flesh. He's still alive. Now, here's the thing. I know just a moment ago I had you nudge your neighbor and say, here it comes. You may say, well, I came here for that. 
You mean to tell me that is what you want to preach to me? Yes, it's actually two parts. He's still alive, which means anything he ever was, he still is. Did you catch the second part of that? It's not just that there's an empty grave in Jerusalem. Because he's alive means anything he ever was when he walked on this earth, he still is today in 2023. That's good news for somebody. That's exciting news for somebody. Anything he ever was, he still is today. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I wish to take the sacred pages of Scripture and draw principle and truth, first of all. Because there's an empty grave, anything he ever was, he still is. And Jesus is a keeper of his word. Jesus does not make empty promises. We open our Bibles to John chapter number 2, and Jesus has just turned water into wine. Miraculous story at a wedding in Cana. He takes water pots filled with water and turns them into wine at the wedding feast and then walks into the temple and overturns money tables and causes quite a stir in the temple. It is on the heels of these two major events that John 2 and 18 says, The Jews answered and said unto him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said, quite a peculiar reply, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Where is he? He's in the temple. (laughs) And he said, take it down to the ground and in three days I will raise it up. Now, in that group of religious leaders, they had on their natural hat, their logical thinking cap. And I guarantee you this, God forbid we should show up this next Sunday and this place be rubble. God forbid, fictitious example here. I feel quite certain that even with the gifted people here at this church, it could not be said, well, this has happened on Sunday morning, but Wednesday night, it will look as though this never happened. Because destroy this house, and in three days we will raise it back up. Even the most adventurous general contractor could not promise that. Verse 20, the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? Watch verse 21. It's almost like a footnote stuck in the Bible. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, watch this. When he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believe the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Because Jesus keeps his word. Jesus does not make empty promises. 
Oh, I feel it in my spirit today. I want to preach to somebody that many years ago, God spoke something to you in a service. And it seemed almost preposterous how big it was and how all-encompassing it was. Can I tell you something? Because that tomb is empty, he kept his word way back then, and he still is going to keep his word today. If he declared it, he will bring it to pass. It was the ruler Balak who had sent for Balaam in Numbers chapter 23, the Old Testament scriptures. Balaam the prophet and Balak said, all these children of Israel are mass. There's a great sea of them in front of us and we need you prophet to curse them. Because we know if you curse them, they're going to be cursed and we're going to be able to conquer them. Speak a curse over God's people. To which Balaam said, all right, I'm going to the Lord. And the Lord spoke back to Balaam and said, go, go tell Balak that uh, I've already blessed him. No can do. I already spoke a blessing over him. He goes back and, hey, Balak, good news, bad news. Good news, I'm back. Bad news, they're blessed. They've already had a blessing spoken over them. And so as some people who are very dogmatic, Balak says, go back again. Try again. And so Balaam goes back to the Lord and inquires at the oracle of God. And God says, <clears throat> take two. They're blessed. My blessing is upon my people. I, you're not going to curse them, Balaam. You cannot curse them. My blessing is on my people. To which the prophet goes back to Balak and says, Sir, sorry to bother you, but I have something from the Lord. And the word of the Lord would come to you and say, Balak, they're blessed. The blessing of God is upon them. And then he gives words that ring in my spirit today in Numbers 23. God is not a man. He's not just any other man that he should lie. Or he's not just the son of any other man that he should repent. Has he said it? And will he not do it? Or has he spoken? And will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Oh, I got good news for somebody on Easter Sunday. God keeps his word. God keeps his word. I want somebody to reach way back to that word you got from the Lord and hold it up in this present day and hang on to that word. That child will be saved. That home will be brought back together. That body will be touched. God keeps his word. Yes, he does. The second truth I must present to us today is that this Jesus is a healer. There is nothing that quite gets the attention of people like a miracle. Amen. Nothing, nothing. It's the suspension of the natural way of doing things. It's replaced with a supernatural encounter. Jesus was always messing with people's idea of what should happen. So much so that it got the attention of the religious leaders of the day. A man named Nicodemus came to Jesus. 
in John chapter number 3. And he comes to him by night, probably wanting to be hidden, not everybody around him knowing that he was coming to Jesus. And he was overwhelmingly curious with this man. So much so that he said to Jesus, Rabbi or teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's not just that you're a teacher. You're a supernatural miracle working teacher. It's not just that you espouse words. We got a lot of people that do that. But when you speak, things happen. And when you teach, miracles take place. You are a miracle worker. Jesus is a healer today. Now, I'm going to tell you real upfront what I've asked the Lord to do. In the next few moments, I've asked the Lord to let healing touch this house. Because I know some in this room that need healing in your body. And then I know that just by the law of averages with people that are here, there's other people. You haven't told anybody. You haven't declared anything to anybody except maybe your close family. But you need a healing touch in your body. I have asked the Lord that while I am preaching, his healing power would fill this house. That while the word is being declared, that the healing power of Jesus would descend upon this church. I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer me out loud. Would it be okay if that diabetes was gone by the time you got in your car today? Would it be all right with you if that chronic back pain that you wake up with every morning is completely gone or very much limited in your... Would that be okay with you if the, the healer showed up on Sunday morning? The risen Savior, the one who did heal and will heal. Would it be all right with anybody if you were baffling the doctors with what they're not finding in you anymore? Would that be all right if Jesus would do what Jesus has done in the past? Everybody say it. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a healer over fever, according to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14. Jesus is a healer over leprosy, according to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 3. Jesus is a healer of paralysis or lameness in the legs, according to Matthew chapter 9 and John chapter 5. Somebody in here dealing with neuropathy, Jesus is a healer of neuropathy, according to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus can heal blood diseases, according to Matthew chapter 9, and he can heal blindness, according to Matthew 9 and Mark 8. Jesus can open up the mouth to where people can speak, according to Matthew 9 and 32. Jesus can open up deaf ears according to Mark chapter 7 and he can conquer epilepsy according to Matthew chapter number 17. A lady had been bent over for 18 years but when she got in the presence of the healing Jesus he touched her as Luke accounts for in Luke 13 and she stood straight up. Jesus is the healer of dropsy. Jesus is the healer of swelling caused by fluid retention in the body, congestive heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure. Luke 14 and 2 says he is a 
healer. Jesus is a restorer of an amputated, injured part of the body because when a servant of the high priest had his ear cut off, the healer, Jesus, reached down, picked up that ear, put it back on that head, and it came forth brand new. Jesus is a healer. Oh, I've got good news for somebody on Easter Sunday. The grave is empty. And if the grave is empty, that means Jesus is still a healer today. And he's in this house to heal today. He's in this house to set free today. He's in this house to marvel us today. Jesus is a healer. Here's what we're going to do quickly. Just reach over and grab the hand or put your hand on the shoulder of someone that's near you right now. Anything that Jesus ever was, he still is right now. I'm asking for some intercessors to rise up in prayer right now and claim the healing power of the Lord to move across this sanctuary. Every sickness... Every sickness, every malady, every long-term disease, I bind it by the authority of the name Jesus. And I speak healing over chronic sickness right now. I speak healing across this room right now. My faith touching your provision, Lord. All across new life on a Sunday morning, let the healing power of the Lord minister today. Let it be done right now. Right now, by the authority of your word, Lord. Right now, in agreement with what you did when you walked on dusty shores of Galilee. Be our healer today. Be our healer today. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, in the name of Jesus. I think somebody ought to help me thank God that someone is being healed right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody's going to go to the doctor in the next six weeks. You're going to be surprised by what that doctor says. You're going to remember back to Easter Sunday morning when we realized beyond the shadow of a doubt if that tomb is empty and he was a healer, he still is a healer today. Come on, it's going to happen in your life, sir. It's going to astonish us, but it's going to happen. Praise God. How many of you in this house will give God the glory? when that happens in your life. Will you praise him? Will you give him the glory? Will you testify about it? He's a healer. Everybody shout it. Say, he's a healer. The final thing I need to say to us, I need to make sure that we get this across today. And that is this. Because that tomb is empty, Jesus does not condemn, but he has compassion on those who make mistakes. Because he's the I am. Anything he ever was, he still is today. And he doesn't come to condemn today. He has come with compassion on those of us who make mistakes. John chapter 8 and verse 4, it's just a horrific thought. When I read this passage in the Bible, it's almost beyond what I can comprehend. When the religious leaders of the day, those who were given the power by the people 
to lead others closer to God. Take a woman who was unfaithful to her husband and drag her into the very presence of Jesus Christ. And they said to him, John 8 and 4, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? Verse 6, this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Let me stop here long enough before I read the rest of verse 6 and tell you that this is absolutely proof that the religious leaders of the day were being controlled by the devil himself. Because the Bible, the Bible that we read from today says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He likes nothing more than to accuse, to put down, and to condemn. And I'm preaching to people in this room. Some of you know what it's like to feel condemned. You know what the difference is between condemnation and conviction? One word. Hope. Condemnation says, I'm wrong, it'll never change. Conviction says, I'm wrong, but there's still hope. And Jesus, in the word of God, and because he's still alive, has not come to condemn the world, but to have compassion on those who make mistakes. When they bring Jesus, this woman, the Bible says that Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. He conveniently ignored them. Now, I have to tell you something. I, I went to Bible college, and I remember us having a vehement debate one day. What was Jesus writing in the dirt. Was he writing from the law? And we had people jump up and say, yes, and I'll tell you why. Was he writing the sins of the religious leaders? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Let me tell you what I believe. If you've come to Easter Sunday, you want to know. You came and you woke up this morning and the first thought that came to your mind was, I wonder what Jesus was writing in the dirt. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what Pastor Gaddy thinks Jesus was writing in the dirt. You ready? Everybody look up here. Revelation time. Here it is. The Bible doesn't say. <laughs> so I'm not going to say. All I know is that he, he might have been doodling in the dirt for all I know. <laughs> so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, 
let him throw a stone at her first. And then he went back to drawing. (laughs) Watch verse 9. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. But the second time Jesus raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. How many of you have ever paid off a bill that you'd had for a long time, and when you paid it off, it was like getting out of jail? You walked around more confidently. You tell people, hey, how's it going? It's going great. I paid a bill off today. There's something about when something is lifted off of you. He said, I don't condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. Now, listen, I'm just about done. Everybody look right up here. Don't check out. Don't don't get to the pot roast yet. Look right here. The woman in this story was not used to being in the presence of Jesus. In fact, it was an extraordinary situation that brought her into the presence of Jesus. And in that moment, when she was feeling less than righteous, Jesus had a message for her. Number one. I'm not going to respond to you based on what other people think about you. Number two, nobody here is perfect. Number three, there's a difference between their condemnation and my conviction, and it's hope. Number four, stop sinning. You can start over. So here's the message on Easter Sunday. Jesus has not come to condemn. You know what's neat about this crowd right now? We got people who they are here every time the doors are open. If, you know, if we're painting, they'll come sit and watch paint dry here. It's just that it's who they are. And then there's others haven't been here in a month of Easter's. You know what Jesus is here to say to all of us today? Whether you're here all the time or some extraordinary situation brought you into my presence, I do not condemn you. If you made mistakes, stop and start over. 
Stop. Jesus doesn't ignore wrong. He's too just to do that. He says, stop sinning. But you know what? Go on with your life. Don't let that be your tombstone. Don't let that be the end, the final nail in your coffin. For goodness sake, I'm not condemning you. Stop sinning and start over. Isn't that good news today? Let's stand together. Praise God. I made just a simple request at the beginning of this sermon today. And that was that you would allow me to pray over you. And just bless us in prayer before we walk out of here on Easter Sunday. It would be my privilege to do that. Whether you're a member, you're a guest, you're a first-time guest here. That we just come together for prayer together. So can I ask you to come just quickly step out from where you are. This is our custom here. Members and guests alike, come on, let's, let's pray together today. Let's pray together. I'm going to give time. People are going to come from all over this sanctuary. We're coming from different backgrounds. We're coming from different walks of life. Coming together. We're going to believe that Jesus is going to take this day and do something in us that goes way beyond Easter Sunday 2023. He keeps his word. He's a healer and he's healed some people here today. He hasn't come to condemn those who make mistakes. Stop sinning. Start again. Give just another moment. Thank you for coming. Thank you for stepping out. And I want you to, to, to know this. When you come and you step out, as so many have done today, that's not just something that I ask of you, but God takes note of that. And you know what that also does? It proves to yourself you can respond to God's word. You can. Did you notice, by the way, that the ceiling didn't just fall in? Did you notice that? Like, if it did, that's okay, because in three days, he'd probably raise it up. But. <laughs> did you notice, though, that, like, the world didn't stop spinning? What is that? That's just the call of God saying, I don't condemn you. If you need to ask God to forgive you, ask God to forgive you today. Let's not make this too hard. Let's not make it so overwhelming that we think he won't forgive us. He will. I'm just going to give you the word. Don't take my word for it. Here's what John said. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know if they can put that on the screen. I want you to see this in your Bible. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's what we're going to do before we're dismissed. I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes. And I want you just, I'm going to give opportunity right now. If there's somebody in here who just needs to start over, you're, you're not in the presence of a condemning Jesus today. You're in the presence of a compassionate Jesus today. And I want us just all to begin to lift our voice to the Lord in prayer and say, God, search me right now. 
Maybe there's some things that come quickly, come quickly to our mind. Guess what? He's compassionate today. Call that out to the Lord. Say, God, forgive me for that. Forgive me. I got cold. I got indifferent. I made some mistakes. Forgive me for that right now. Come on, lift, lift your voice and just say, God, forgive me. And I embrace, I embrace your forgiveness in my life right now, Lord. God, you, you, you're challenging me to stop making mistakes. Stop sinning. Turn around from those, those things, those habits, those environments, those people, those situations, those things that are causing me weakness and, and to fall. Stop. But Lord, you're, you're giving me a brand new option to start something. Come on, I want to preach to somebody here in the closing few moments of this service. You can start a new heritage in your life right now. Old things can be behind you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things can become new. Lord, I give myself to you. I give my voice to you. I give my habits to you. I give my life to you, Lord. I'm walking in a fresh way, Lord. Forgive me. Tell him that right now. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. Repent means I turn around from that, Lord. I'm not coming with condemnation that's guiding me, but rather your conviction, your loving conviction. And I receive that forgiveness right now, Lord. And I'm starting over right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to meet you by the front door here in just a minute. But look right up here because I want to just address something that is close by whenever we talk about forgiveness. Not only does the Lord not condemn you, this church does not condemn you. So I'm not here preaching a perfect church. In fact, if you're looking for a perfect church, we'll see you. I'm serious. This is not a perfect church because I'm in it. And we are all fail, have failing ways. We all have things, mistakes that we've made, can sometimes continue to make. But he has not called us to perfection. He's called us to humility and obedience. So please, please do not let. I know some people, they think, well, God will forgive me. People won't forgive me. Listen. All we have to do is look at our lives in light of the cross of Calvary. We've been forgiven so much. Come on with us. Let's go toward Jesus together. Let's start again together. Amen? Amen. Look at someone near you and say, I think I've heard something from the Lord today, if that's what you feel. God, go with your great people today. Thank you for showing us your presence. Keep us, Lord. Draw us. Continue to draw every man and woman, every child, every young adult, every teenager here. God, don't let us forget your word. I claim it in Jesus' name. Seal the word this week with your Holy Spirit. For that, we're going to thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. I want us to sing, Sister Courtney. We're going to sing as we're leaving the house today. I hope you have a marvelous, marvelous Easter Sunday. He's alive. Everything he ever was, he still is today. What a joy to know that. Come on, let's lift our voice and sing.